0: This is Marianne Schmocker. Welcome to my podcast, Accordi. You are listening to a conversation with the members of Trio con Brio Copenhagen and their recording producer, Bernard Guttler. We talk about their mutual experience of recording the second piano trio by Dmitri Shostakovich, which was released for the Orchid label. This CD of works by Shostakovich and Orensky is nominated for the Gramophone Classical Music Award. The members of Trio Con Brio Copenhagen are the two Korean born sisters, Soo Chin, violin, and Soo Kyung, the cellist, who is married to Danish pianist Jens Elbeckier. The trio won numerous major competitions for piano trio, and today they are regularly heard at the world's leading venues, among them Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center, Wigmore Hall, Berlin, Pierre Boulez Saal, Concertgebouw, and many more. The trio is represented also by My Artist Agency among a roster of internationally acclaimed classical musicians. For this CD release, the Trio con Brio chose recording producer Bernhard Güttler. He received the 2022 Grammy nomination for Best Classical Album, The Boston Symphony with John Williams' Violin Concerto performed by Anne-Sophie Mutter. Other musicians on his long list of productions for Deutsche Grammophon include Daniel Barenboim and Sir Simon Rattle. The composer Dmitry Shostakovich was strongly influenced by a war when he wrote the second piano trio. Jens, can you give us an overview of this dramatic work?
1: I'm glad to speak about this very particular work. Shostakovich wrote this piano trio in 1943 and 44, and um, it's probably one of the musical pieces with the strongest message at all. It kind of engulfs the whole history of the 20th century, the war, the history of the Jews and Shostakovich's life as a dissident. So I think it's as relevant as ever and also as actual as ever. So there is such a and it's simply, such a power in this music that no one can escape when you listen to it in a concert hall. There are some particular places in this music that are very unique. Uh, for instance, the very beginning of the first movement, which has a color that I think no other composer invented for the piano trio before. Um, then the second movement. Actually, the whole movement is a typical voice of Shostakovich with this sarcastic music combined with a totally over-crazy, excited mood that um, also is a very unique voice from Shostakovich. And then the fourth movement, also the beginning, is the first place in the Shostakovich output where he actually uses uh, Jewish music. And um, this is a dance macabre and has also a very strong history uh, into it since um, there is the story of the Nazis forcing the Jewish to dance on their own graves before they killed them. So the music has so much intensity Um, and um, it means very much for us to perform this.
0: So Kyung, Jens pointed out the difficult beginning for the cellist. What makes this particularly challenging since you start the piece?
2: For me, at the beginning where the cello plays extremely, insanely high register, it's almost like uh, depicting the heaven or also almost like the sound of icicles. The beginning for us kind of symbolizes Siberia. And um, as many know, uh, the piece was dedicated to uh, Ivan Solatinsky, who was deported to Siberia and died there. And when Shostakovich got the news about this um, very griefing news, uh, he was devastated. And I think the whole piece is very much about And he actually chooses to use the cello to be the highest voice. And then the violin comes in, in a very low register on G-string.
0: And
2: then the piano comes in. almost um, sounds like an underground sound, some kind of danger or threatening. The haunting, lonely uh, melody comes back when or somewhat 25 minutes later in climax, there with also mute but fortissimo, almost like a fever, like a person uh, right before the death. We really try to imagine from the beginning of the piece, make a tension go all the way to the climax. It's really hair-raising um, work, and uh, we really love playing this piece.
0: Su so, Chin, you join with the violin after the cello solo. What
3: happens now, and how do you approach your entrance? The beginning of the violin entrance after. The cello has played, the violin plays on the G string, which is the low string. And uh, I describe myself as a human being uh, between like a court between the uh, heaven and then the hell. (laughs) And um, I try to imagine the personality of the human being. I use my bow with slow speed, so it still sounds a little bit restrained, but it's, more warmth than the icy chord sound at the beginning. It's very important to really catch the sound from the very first note. And and then I give it to Jens in this uh, very low register.
0: Since the trio has performed this piece in concerts hundreds of times around the world, you must have acquired a lot of experience with it. Is this why you decided to record it? Who would like to answer?
1: Well, we made a recording of all the Beethoven trios uh, right before we recording this. and. Um, I think a recording, it's a statement that is made right in in that moment, but with these works that are so central in the repertoire and um, that also have been recorded many times, you really really need to feel ready and you, you need to feel ready to make a statement that you think that you can really be happy about for a long time. This piece actually has been in our repertoire since the very beginning. And it has a very central part of our uh, repertoire. But it's also a piece that is so special in the way it's composed. That um, you need to find exactly your own personal way to play it. And I think to be able to record this, you simply need to have such a strong concept for the piece. that, That you are really sure about what to do.
0: Now let's turn to my guest Bernhard Guttler who joins me from Berlin, Germany, Bernhard. What made you decide to become a recording producer?
4: What made me decide to become a recording producer was two things. Um, one is I, as a kid, I was a very nerdy. Uh, we all had, we are three brothers, we had all very musical upbringing, apparently, I didn't even notice, because in the musician family, you're always immersed in music, of course, playing piano, uh, singing in choir, all this stuff, playing another instrument, oboe, etc., etc., that, but that was kind of normal. That's how we all lived, um, but I was also always very interested in science. I was eating books on astronomy and nuclear physics, I guess, as a 10, 12-year-old, so i had always had this double interest in science and uh, music. And then I was uh, participating in a recording of my dad. I think the uh, first time I witnessed the process, and I was very fascinated by it. Um, so that was a uh, perspective. Uh, there's another dimension to it, that is the political perspective in East Germany. Uh, you could not uh, choose any profession uh, freely without making compromises with the government, with the totalitarian state, Eastern Germany. Uh, the music and like rec- classical music recording, it was kind of a niche where you did not have to make compromises into giving in and, and subscribing to the army for several years, et cetera, et cetera, such things. Um, so there was another reason to do this. You could not become a lawyer or a doctor without doing, uh, like going to the army for several years, for instance, at my age. The third thing was my oldest brother was uh, studying conducting, so I was uh, trying to go a different route, uh, just competition between brothers.
0: How do you define your role in this recording process?
4: It's very interesting if you think it through. I mean, the whole process of performing music is, of course, also a process of recreation in a way that there's, you have an original idea by a composer and then it comes into the real world in the now, as far as the real world is concerned, that living musicians try to make sense out of it then I come into the play as far as the recording is concerned again, because there is a need for another translation process from the acoustical, from the natural space into the technical realm and back into another acoustical space. And there you need somebody who's able to do this translation. That's my whole role. It's not more and it's not less. And um, so I'm not trying to, I really try to stay out of it. Another way to, describe our job is just stay out of it as much as you can and that is that requires a lot of skill uh, to to not destroy what is there to not damage it to make it happen in the other world
1: can I just add one thing I think for us as performing musicians now we have been recording with Bernhardt for I think more than 10 years this is also a relationship that develops and I think for musicians To be able to go beyond limits when you do a recording, it's so important that you have 100% trust in the person that you work with. We are so happy to work with Bernhard and uh, it's actually a mutual uh, inspiration, I hope.
4: This is a professional relationship and you have the ability to work that intimately and that personally. You have to and I know how dangerous it is you expect them to give it all and then yeah and then what happens with it then they don't have it anymore so to speak yeah it's with somebody else and that is a that is a process that is very fragile I understand that and it's a very big responsibility.
0: you wants to share a special memory from this recording experience?
3: I really love to do this because uh, I thought when we started the recording on the first day I thought I knew this piece really well and I knew what I want to express but somehow when you sit in the recording session you discover all different things what you could have done. I remember like I was To express this um, very dramatic moment, I was really putting a lot of uh, vibrato and my left arm was really hurting. And then Bernard says, like, even more (laughs) expression. And then I was, what? I'm doing what I can't. (laughs) And then I understood afterwards, actually, it was just enough to come through the microphone to bring all these colors and expressions by playing through after these three four days, I feel like that I have even bigger magnifying glasses. I know this piece so much better. Bernati knows when the trio we tired and then we get irritated sometimes and frustrated. Uh, and then Bernhard knows exactly when to say some magic word. He says something and then suddenly we put smile on or we somehow relax in tensions. And then the tension goes a little bit down and then we somehow reset. And in that way, <laughs> uh, Bernhard knows us very well.
4: <laughs> I wanted to say just one thing in addition to what Su jin said, that is very true, um, that in a recording, you have to give everything in the sound. Usually in the performance, uh, and many people are not aware of it, in the performance, there's always a visual instrument. You've, you can see the dynamics. Pizzicato is intense, then there's a gesture or as a flying bow in the end. And all this adds, of course, to the interpretation. You do not have that in a classic recording. And uh, you have to put everything into the sound. And that is, that requires sometimes, yeah, maybe I'm sorry if I'm pushing or so, but it, it, you feel as a musician, you have given it all and it's, it's there, but then it doesn't really come through. That's very true what Su-Chin said. It needs to be all in the sound.
1: We have a tradition of doing a run-through at the very end, after we, we recorded the whole piece, the, all the four movements in detail, after maybe seven, eight hours of uh, recording, then at the end, then Bernhard says, could you please play through the piece one second when we're almost lying on the floor? <laughs> and then we play through, and then often, in this recording, there are so many good things because then you know you have everything, and then you can just relax and play and give everything you have often when we do the the post production, we find really good things in these kind of crazy takes at the very end.
4: Uh, to my defense, uh, uh, so when we do this, we always try to do it in a moment where we're all f- still fresh. I mean sometimes we do it the next morning, so of course you know if the physical strength must be there, otherwise it's a bit pointless. You have done it all, and then you can do one so to speak, concert take and let it rip, uh, no concerns. If it doesn't work, you risk too much, we have it And that's really a wonderful situation. And we afford the time and the space to do this. And that is really a great method of doing a recording.
0: Thank you, Bernhard, for giving us a glimpse of what goes on behind the scene where the other magic happens. And to you, Soo Jin, Soo Kyung and Jens for sharing your memories of this unique collaboration. i also like to thank Andreas Klein, Ultimo Productions New York, a service providing the ultimate in audio technology and consulting classical musicians. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and recommend it to a friend. You can find more information on my website, Marianne Schmocker Artists.